not going to convince me that Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, or Kyle Rittenhouse are any more of a threat to black people in this country than your local Planned Parenthood. They don't want to talk about Malcolm X and the rifle clubs or, or the Black Panthers bearing arms and open carrying uh, on the White House steps. They don't even want to acknowledge that. They just tacitly approve of Fred Hampton and Malcolm X, you know, in, in passing, but they don't want to implement any of their real thoughts and beliefs about how to, uh, you know, protect freedom in this country. They would rather opt for the Margaret Sangers and the and the Gloria Steinems, right? And and I'm just completely against it. The, this entire white neoliberal women's movement is disgusting to me. It's racist. And you're not going to convince me that Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, or Kyle Rittenhouse are any more of a threat to black people in this country than your local Planned Parenthood. You're just not going to do it. Because I know what America would look like if we had another 30 to 40 million black people. And Joe Biden knows it. That's why Joe Biden told the Congressional Black Caucus that you guys need to go talk with the Latinos because in a few years, they're gonna have a bigger population than you. Well, if black people's grievance in this country is all about our population size because of a political game and votes, then we should be anti-abortion and we should be anti-open borders from a practical standpoint. But many of these black folks aren't even interested in black America seeing any type of change. The whole protest for George Floyd and Jacob Blake isn't about a fundamental change in America for black people. Because if it was, they would go to the economic side because that's where the real change happens. That's where the power lies and they know it. The police departments are pawns for the corporatocracy and they all know it. Royce, uh, I'm almost ready to start speaking in tongues. I believe I've caught the Holy Ghost. Uh, my God, man, you just said so much right there. Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm joking about speaking in tongues, but you damn near brought a tear to my eye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of Jishiko Reports and Changing the Narrative. It's a cross-episode podcast, meaning I will post it to both Changing the Narrative and Jishiko um, podcasting streams or RSS feeds. This is, this is a special edition. We're not in season for Changing the Narrative. We're actually in the process of recording and preparing for launching that in January of 2022, season two of Changing the Narrative. And we have been on sabbatical as I've been dealing with some health issues and some other things um, from Jessica reports. But I had to, as I am, as I feel is my duty, come and do a special edition, special episode of this podcast, Change the Narrative and our sister podcast, Jessica reports. If you have not been paying attention the last two or three weeks, then I don't know where you've been. But the Kyle Rittenhouse case has consumed for some odd reason the nation. And in consuming the nation, it has now come to a conclusion, at least this part of it, meaning Kyle Rittenhouse stood trial, 
amongst a jury and in front of a jury of his peers faced his accusers for the most part you can argue the legalities of the prosecution and how they violate some of his rights but for the most part he faced his accusers as we are promised by the law he was able to mount a defense of self-defense from the infamous 2020 riots particularly in august in kenosha wisconsin he has been declared there were six counts six charges six things he was charged with what the sixth charge carrying a rifle underage uh in wisconsin was dropped as it was deemed by wisconsin law to be legal um if you paid attention you know why i won't get into the, the nitty-gritty of that but there are people who have done great work on reporting throughout the entire trial like megan kelly ben shapiro uh jack Sobek, tim tim pool and you can look at their information and look at their stuff on youtube and on the on their platforms the other five counts were all found at least the jury i should say found him not guilty on the other five on all five counts as we speak, as I record this Saturday, November 20th, the verdict was given no, Friday, November 19th, right after 12 noon Eastern. He was found not guilty on all five counts, and he is a free man. From that, the backlash has been something to behold. You can tell who watched the trial, meaning they sat, they sat down, whether in real time live or in a replay via YouTube or whatever, you could tell who watched the actual trial minute by minute or most of the trial minute by minute. And those who just watched clips and and pundits and media talking heads point of view about the trial. And that's it. Infamously, John, Jonathan McReynolds, I will call him out by name, a gospel, so-called gospel artist. Um, that I think is doubtful, but that's what he goes by. That's his hustle. He infamously made a post stating that Cal Rittenhouse uh, had a gun. He crossed state lines and blah, 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 other so much mis misinformation in that one post that he actually took it down. I'm pretty sure his stance has to change because as I, as I will attempt to talk about today, the narrative, the narrative, the narrative trumped or trumps or supersedes the fact for many of these people they don't care about truth they don't care about facts they don't necessarily care about misinformation they care about information that counters their narrative and therefore they deem it misinformation so i want to talk about this from a in, a, in an analytical way i'm not getting into whether i think kyle was guilty or innocent i'm i'm not getting into my personal things or my personal feelings about it or my personal uh, predispositions or my personal whatever about this particular case the jury has spoken and as joe biden shockingly said and then his people had to come and clean it up afterwards because they they figured they realized oh he did not speak the language that our narrative dictates the jury process works and i trust the jury process in this country but nevertheless the narrative is being pushed full throttle full throttle and part of my job as a journalist as a media person, is not to give you a narrative. I don't care if what I personally believe is not validated by what actually happened. Nor do I care that I, nor do I take time to mold things to fit the narrative that I want it to fit just because I have an agenda. No, I seek to do in, in all that I do, I seek to give facts, reason, and let it 
You decide what you think. If the media, starting really in August of 2020, gave pure fact what they knew, what they and and, and, were, and were honest about what they didn't know. If the media gave pure facts about what they knew concerning this Kyle Rittenhouse case, most of the country would not be under the impression that he killed black people. Well, let me not say most of the country. A lot of people in the country would not be under the impression to kill black people. He did not. A lot of the people in the country would not be under the impression that he that he took a gun and crossed state lines. He did not. But because that is the dominating narrative that people get from so-called trusted sources by the mainstream, they think it's truth and they think it's fact when they have in actuality been propagandized. And it did not stop after the after the trial. It did not stop after the trial. It did not stop once the verdict was rendered. No, they doubled. Many of them doubled down. Why is that? Why is that? I think it's because of fear. I, I, I sat down. I sat back. I watched Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I watched the, the mainstream media's response and handling of the trial. I've watched the last year, two, three years. And I've come to a conclusion. We are living in a moment where fear is seen as a virtue we're living in a moment where fear is seen as a necessary virtue we're living in a moment where fear is being used to manipulate to control to propagandize people fear if i can make you afraid i can control you and that's what we've seen the last two, three years on steroids. If I can appeal to your sense of insecurity that I can get you to do what I want you to do. I, if I can get you to appeal to your sense of insecurity as a woman and make you feel as if you're an oppressed human being because you were born a woman. If I can get you afraid of what a society is like that hates women. I can control you. If I can get you to be afraid and fearful that the ghost, the boogeyman of white supremacists or, or white supremacy is ever lurking around the corner about to attack you. Black person. If I can get you to think that, to fear that, even if it's a, a subconscious fear, if I can get you to fear of that to be afraid of that i've done my job and i can now control you because now you will be looking for any information anything to make you feel secure so what do i do this is this is the textbook uh guide or the textbook uh steps to being a manipulator if, if you want to know by the way i get you to be afraid i i I coerce and push you to be afraid. And then I give you and feed you what I want you to know or to think so that you may think so that you think you're being given information so that you feel secure or prepared. I, by nature, have leverage over you. We're living in a moment 
where fear, fear is a virtue and not a vice. Courage is no longer a virtue that we as a society, as a culture, respect. We see it, we notice it, we, 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 you know, pay lip service to courage and those who we deem courageous, but it is no longer a virtue that we actively seek after. Why? Because we desire and we long and we have submitted to this thing called fear. Fear is a powerful thing. If I can make you afraid, I can control your life. We saw that and we're seeing that now. If I can make you afraid, I can get you to always believe my narrative. I want to open with a quote from Thomas Sowell. He says, it is usually futile to try to talk facts and, anal and analysis to people who are enjoying a sense of moral superiority in their ignorance. Think, I I'm appalled that you think about what he just said. It is usually futile to try to talk facts and analysis to people who are enjoying a sense of moral superiority in their ignorance. That's most of our ruling class. That's most of our elites. That's most of our celebrity class. That's most of our news and media pundits. That's most of our politicians. They don't care about facts. They don't care about reason. They don't care about the analysis. They don't care about what actually happened. They say they are fact checking and journalists and all that crap. No, they don't care about any of that. They simply care about their moral virtue signaling and their moral grandstanding. It makes them feel superior because they have some lofty notion of life that you don't have and you need to get with the program. Because if you don't, you're probably a racist, a sexist, a bigot. And if you're black and disagree with the conventional wisdom, so-called, you're, you're set out in Uncle Tom. And that's what we're seeing with this case. Cal Rittenhouse, a white guy. Why race matters, I don't know. <laughs> Did the guy go with the intent to kill or was it self-defense? That's the, that's the basic question of this case. Not white guy, black guy, whatever. No, it was none of that. But because the narrative has been pushed, this is about race. We're going to analyze that. Why, why, why is that? Why is, it this, why is this a racial thing when Cal Rittenhouse, who's a white guy, went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, a mostly white city, and in his attempt as an EMT, because he was there doing work of an EMT, providing aid to people, that's documented, that's evidence, that was entered into evidence within the trial, that's not some speculation, no, we know he was there doing that. How come Kyle Rittenhouse, who's a white guy, who only shot at white people and who only killed, sadly, white people, 
How is he a white supremacist? And how does this ha have anything to do with black people? I think this Twitter thread from Harrison Crank is, is, is important. He lists and says misconceptions about the Rittenhouse trial that I realized a lot of people don't know. Number one, he doesn't number them, but he just lists them. Never cross state lines with a gun. He didn't. He was given that gun once he got to Kenosha by a friend. First thing. Gun was semi-automatic. He shot three white people. He did not attack. He did not shoot any black person. Nor was he shooting just randomly and just act. It wasn't an act. It wasn't as we thought, at least if you watch the mainstream media reports of this, an active shooter. He only shot once he was. Once there was a, an aggressive attack against him. That's by nature. The definition of self-defense. Nevertheless, let's keep going. Two died, one injured. He performed first aid on BLM protesters. These are things that many don't know. He performed first aid on BLM protesters prior to the shooting. So you mean to tell me a white supremacist goes to BLM rally with EMT credentials, performs first aid on many of the protesters, probably were pelleted or hit with uh, non-lethal uh, uh, weapons by the police. He's performing first aid. You mean to tell me he's an active shooter that went there to hurt people? We didn't know that. Rosendrum, a white, one of the white guys who, who by, by the way, is a convicted child molester and child abuser charged with 11 counts, 11 different, not, not one, not two, 11 different counts of child sexual abuse or sexual assault. Rosenbaum chased him into a, con a confined space and reached for the gun prior to being shot. You mean to tell me if you have a gun? And someone chases you into a confined space and reaches for that gun. You're going to get, oh, here you go. Here, take the gun. And you're going to let them kill you? Rosenbaum said to Rittenhouse earlier in the night, quote, going to effing kill you. Eat your heart out. Carve your heart out. By the way, Rosenbaum multiple times was screaming the N-word. If anything, if any angle to this is racial, it's Rosenbaum's position. Let's keep going. Rosen, Rosenbaum said to Rittenhouse early in the night, I've read that. Rosenbaum said to Rittenhouse, if I catch any of you effers alone, I'm going to effing kill you. That's a threat. Huber and Grosskurtz didn't know about the shooting before they attacked Rittenhouse. Meaning... As the narrative was that Huber and Grosskreutz thought this was an active, an active shooter situation, so therefore they were going to get him and subdue the active shooter. They didn't know that. We find that out after the actual evidence comes forward, because evidence matters, right? We find that out after the actual evidence comes forth. Grosskreutz had a gun pointed at Rittenhouse's head prior to being shot. You mean to tell me somebody have a gun pointed at your head? You just you just gonna stand there? And not attempt to subdue the threat because they could potentially kill you. What kind of planet do we live on where we just, oh, okay, 
Oh, okay. You got a gun put in my head? All right, all right, all right. It's okay. It's cool. Huber, one of the ones killed, hit Rittenhouse with a skateboard. Not everyone who attacked Rittenhouse was shot. Meaning, more than Huber, Rosenbaum, and Grosskowitz, those are their last names. These three white men, by the way, none of them black. Not everyone attacked by Rittenhouse, that attacked Rittenhouse, excuse me, were actually shot, which shows some type of control of your gun, meaning you're not just a massive shooter out for blood, meaning you're only shooting people who pose an imminent and continual threat. Meaning they attacked you, they went after you, you told them to stop, they didn't listen, they kept going, and so to protect your life, your safety, which you have a right to do in this country, you then shoot them. Am I saying, hear me, and I'm being objective as possible, but these are facts that are undisputed. These are facts that are entered into the record of the court and that both the prosecution and the defense had to agree on in order to then craft their arguments. Hear me. Hear me. Rittenhouse told Grosskowitz that he was going to the police. Rosenbaum attacked him. He shot Rosenbaum to subdue the threat. And he went and said, I'm going to get the police. What kind of psycho killer wants to go get the police to, uh, hey, police, I'm a mass, I'm a mass shooter here. Take me in here. I'm a killer. No. Hey, police, I acted in self-defense. I can prove it. This guy was attacking me here. I want to stop the violence. I don't want to shoot anymore, but I will if I have to protect my life. Am I saying that I want or that I want or that I cheer on the violence of people dying? Do I cheer on Rosenbaum dying? Do I cheer on Gross, uh, Hubert dying? Do I cheer on Grosskorts being uh, his arm being grazed with the bullet? No. I would prefer to live in a world where there is no violence, to be honest. But we must be truthful and say that we have, number one, a right to self-defense. Number two, would we have stood by if we were Rittenhouse and let these people attack us? This is stuff, this is stuff we didn't know listening to so-called news sources, right? Rittenhouse's dad lived in Kenosha and Rittenhouse worked in Kenosha. And by the way, he did not cross state lines with the gun. And the reason the gun charge was dropped, not because of white supremacy, but because the law dictates that you under the age of 17 can't have a gun as long as it exceeds a certain amount of inches. Oh, that's Wisconsin. Oh, the law. Every state has different laws. Basic civics, civics 101. But did you know that? Did you even know, listening or watching this? That no black people were harmed by Kyle Rittenhouse. That 
if the evidence serves us correctly and leads us down a right path by nature of him aiding and providing first aid to BLM protesters, actually a, a potential one or two black people were actually aided in that night through the, the nature of CPR and first aid rather by Kyle Rittenhouse. Did you know that? Did you know that? Propaganda is used to push, to spawn, to solidify fear in you. It's the mainstream media has black people angry about this verdict as if it has anything to do with anybody black, as if this case has anything to do with anything about us. That's that's what really bothers me. Because if you just watch the case and you ignore the racializing of the case, the media attempted so hard and seemingly successful in doing, if you ignore that and just watch the facts, a guy shoots in self-defense three people. Sadly, two of them died who attempted to attack him. There's no evidence that he that he provoked the attacks or that he provoked them. All shows that he was not the provocateur, but he was the victim in this. And you remove race. If you read this just cold and you know and you didn't know the race of the people, you just had the first initial, the first or the initials of the per, of the people. You would read this case and say, "Oh, this is a clear case of self defense." But it was racialized. Why I don't know. I, I still don't get it. Well, if he was a black person, oh, so you say, right? Let's go here. Andrew Coffey found not guilty of murder, attempted murder in Indian River County SWAT raid. Guess, guess who Andrew Coffey is? He's a black guy. That's him right there. He's a black guy. If you watch it via YouTube, he was found not guilty the same day Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty. And he had the same argument, self-defense. Let's read this article quickly. An Indian River, an, an Indian River County man on trial in connection with a deadly 2017 SWAT raid in Guilford was found not guilty of five of six charges Friday. Andrew Coffey was charged with second-degree murder of his 21-year-old girlfriend and three counts of attempted murder of law enforcement after the raid led to after the raid a raid led to an exchange of gunfire. He was also acquitted of shooting or throwing a deadly missile. The sheriff's office claimed Coffee fired shots first at deputies during an early morning search warrant for for narcotics at his Guilford home four years ago. According to an arrest affidavit, SWAT team members returned fire into the bedroom. However, Coffee claimed deputies fired first fearing for his life coffee told investigators that he fired two or three rounds the sheriff's office maintained it announced its presence coffee told investigators that he didn't know it was deputies because they didn't because they did not announce who they were his girlfriend alteria woods who was 
also at home, was shot 10 times and died during the gunfire. A grand jury previously exonerated the officers and deputies who fired their weapons during the incident. However, a jury Friday, the same day that the Rittenhouse verdict came down, the jury a jury Friday found Coffee. They found him. They found him guilty of a possession of a firearm or ammunition by a convicted felon, which is illegal. So he did break the law in that sense. But they found. But they found. They found him not guilty in shooting or attempted murder of us of the SWAT team in uh, Indian River County. So the same so-called horrible justice system of America. The same system found a black guy the same day. It's like we're living in two different countries. I, like, I, I seriously don't know. But the same justice system that everybody's claiming is racist. And if this was a black guy, well, we have a clear case with the verdict given the same exact day of a black guy who's claimed self-defense. We have a clear case of him being acquitted on those attempted and murder and attempted murder charges by claiming self-defense the same way Calvin Runhouse did. So tell me if it were a black guy. We don't need to if. We know it was a we we have a, a, a case, a direct case of it being a black guy and getting the same result. Help me understand. Help me get it. Cause I don't. I, I don't. Let's look at this column by Delano Squires. I love him. He does great work. Great writer. Squires, America's America's destroyers want to convict Kyle Rittenhouse for defending his community and country. Squires writes, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse epitomizes the cultural conflict that is raging in every part of American society. Despite the media's best efforts, and they were very hard efforts, and many people have fallen for the propaganda Despite the media's best efforts to convince the public otherwise, this conflict isn't another example of our historical struggle with race. It's not even about Democrats and Republicans. At its core, the fight we're in is between destroyers and defenders. The first group sees America as a country infected to its core by the sins of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and xenophobia. That is why they are committed to abolishing and dismantling any system or institutions that enforce traditional norms, sustain order, or stand in the way of their political goals. Delano, goes, Delano Squires goes on and says, the second group sees America as a country worth defending. They acknowledge its imperfections and celebrate signs of societal progress. That is why they are willing to risk bodily harm, financial ruin, and social censor to protect traditional norms and support values that help people flourish. Defenders want to prune branches that produce bad fruit. Destroyers want to burn down the entire forest. He goes on to say, Calvin House is on trial for shooting and killing two men and injuring a third in riots that engulfed Kenosha, Wisconsin. The defendant's future will be decided by a jury and tasked with weighing evidence and rendering a verdict, which they did. But the reaction to his actions that night and the subsequent trial says a lot about the future of our country. Corporate media's position in the ba in the battle between destroyers and defenders has been clear since George Floyd's death sparked months of marches and peaceful so-called protest, as well as riots and looting across the country. Ideologues masquerading as journalists spent much of 2020 informing the public that rioting is the voice of the unheard. 
and that destroying private property is a form of political speech. They also stood in front of burning buildings and characterized the people doing the torching as mostly peaceful. Local officials like Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin indulged anarchists who took part of her city and declared it an autonomous zone. Cable news personalities have called Rittenhouse everything from a vigilante to a terrorist. Joy Reid even read the name of the convicted sex offender Rittenhouse claimed he fatally shot in self-defense. That type of veneration is typically reserved for black people killed by police. But to the left, even a white child molester is worth defending if he advances a political goal. This isn't just about physical possessions and property. The same destructive impulses can be seen in the left's attempt to smear parents concerned about their children, about what their children are being taught in school. Michael Steele, a Republican and former Lieutenant Governor of Maryland, save me, joined with Joy Reid to mock parents who object to schools assigning sexually explicit books to their children. Destroyers have a difficult time understanding Squires writes, parents like this because the only thing they feel duty bound to defend is their political ideology. This attack on defenders is also proxy war on men. Even society requires men to be protectors, both physically and financially. American society is crumbling because we have convinced ourselves that impulse to defend the vulnerable is toxic. That is why the left attacks men who oppose abortion or champion the importance of, a, of the nuclear family. They prefer their men weak and docile with just enough testosterone to serve as male allies, but not enough to challenge the cultural setagist. The left loves the type of dads who take their children to drag queen story hour and then post about it on social media. They hate the ones who see the who see the coming decline of a society that celebrates grown men dressed as women teaching young children to twerk. Our institutions failed to protect the country from destroyers the vacuum created by elected officials and cultural influencers who refuse to leave provides the void that citizens invariably end up filling that is the case whether we're talking about new york subway passenger bernard goritz in 1984 kyle rittenhouse in 2020 or david dorn a retired police officer a, a retired police captain killed in 2020 while trying to defend a store from being looted Building, sustaining, and defending values and norms takes time and it takes time and dedication. It takes no skill to destroy. A sane country would promote and defend the people who want to protect their communities and condemn the people. Hear me. A sane country, a sane country, if we lived in the same country, a sane country would promote and defend the people who want to protect their communities and condemn the people who want to destroy them. Unfortunately, the American ruling class does the complete opposite. It justifies destruction only when carried out by the right type of people and criticizes people who, whose first instinct is protection. With those incentives, it's no wonder people in many cities feel like they are trapped in environments marked by lawlessness and disorder the same dynamics at play in the streets of america are also present in the battle for hearts and minds we are living in an age where some of the most influential media personalities and outlets think adults consuming outrage porn online is worse than children being exposed to actual pornography in school such is the nature of this cultural battle they want to destroy it's your job 
to defend. Wonderfully said, Delano Squires. Wonderfully said. So why did I do this special? Why did I interject and break a sabbatical to do this? Not because I have some political ideology that I want you to that I want to convince you of. I don't care. I don't care if you're Democrat, I don't care if you're Republican, I don't care if you're a conservative, a liberal. I have my preference. I have what I think is right personally, but that is not the point of this. The point of this is the point of this is to say, hey, you've been lied to. You've been lied to. Here's the truth. I'm giving you the truth. It's up to you to make a decision now. People are going to believe what they want to believe about this room, about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. That's fine. You may watch this and still think everything you always thought prior to. That's fine. You may agree, you may disagree. But what I want you to see after listening or watching this, I want you to understand after listening or watching this, listening to or watching this, is the exploitation, the mobilization, and the weaponization of Fear paralyzes you. It paralyzes you and puts you in a position where once paralyzed. Those you trust to take care of you, to give you the right information, the proper nutrients, so to speak, i.e. the news media, i.e. politicians, they then can control. Where you go, what you see and what you do, because they have paralyzed you. By and through. Black America, can we stop allowing them? And I, I won't identify them because I think we by now hopefully know who who them or they are. So I'll leave it open for now. But can we stop allowing them to weaponize, exploit race and historical racial tension to propel? their current political position could we stop allowing that because i guarantee you black america said enough i will not allow you to make me live in fear of whatever they would stop maybe some pushback at first but then they would stop Fear is being weaponized in this moment. Fear is being exploited in this moment. And it's done with the intent to paralyze you to the truth. Because once they can paralyze you to the truth. To what's actually happening. They can feed you any narrative. And therefore they can control 
you. Breaking the narrative is what they're doing. They're not breaking any news. It's destroying this country. It's destroying people. Hope something was said in this bonus special episode that helped you. Hope something was said to enlighten you. Hope you learned something. Like, share if you're watching via YouTube. Give me five stars if, if you're watching via any podcasting platform. And tell others about Jay Shakur. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.